uh, we've been trying to get Abhinash to come for a while. Um, and Abhinash has been in the one by one and premium program and we've learned something quite important through the work that we have done with him and what he has done with his company. So I wanted to showcase that for broader consumption. So we're going to start today's session with a conversation with Abhinash Saitia, co-founder of NCloud M. Abhinash, welcome to the show. Thank you. Sorry, last time. So um, Abhinash, let's start with, we're going to discuss, folks, for um, just so you, to set your expectations, we're going to discuss the topic of bootstrapping to exit. Um, it's, a, it's something that we support and promote within the 1M by 1M platform. And uh, Abhinash has executed on this principle very successfully. And um, I would like to um, interview him through his experience, his journey with this process for uh, you to benefit from. So Abhinash, let's start by introducing our audience to yourself as well as to the premise of NCloud M. Sure. First of all, thanks Ramana for inviting me for the sessions. Uh, sorry, last time I could not, you know, I was not so well and I could not come around, but you know, uh, thanks yeah, for- Yeah, you had COVID. And uh, good to be, you know, part of the, uh, part of the program today. Uh, just to introduce myself, you know, I have, uh, uh, yeah, let me call myself a young entrepreneur, right? <laughs> uh, you know, had have, have had a pretty, uh, good educational background in my engineering from IIT Chennai and then subsequently I did an MBA from IIM Bangalore. Worked for a couple of years, but you know, somehow the entrepreneur bug was always there. So uh, could not really continue working for much longer. So in 2012, uh, uh, kind of left my job uh, and then started a company called Smart Buildings initially, along with a couple of other co-founders. And we, we ran the company for about three years. It is uh, it was mostly into IoT-based uh, energy conservation solutions. Uh, and we kind of were probably early to market. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, our, our traction, we, we saw some traction, but you know, it was not uh, growing like we wanted. So in 2015, we kind of figured that, you know, uh, uh, probably not the right time for us to pursue this right now. So uh, me and, uh, one of the co-founders that I had in uh, Smart Buildings, he also happens to be uh, my batchmate, uh, wingmate from IIT Chennai. So both of us, we kind of started another company called uh, Nclouden. And uh, uh, yeah, so Nclouden is is uh, mostly into uh, creating private clouds for uh, different organizations. So it's a B2B product, enterprise software product. And uh, we basically, uh, build uh, cloud-based infrastructure for organizations on their own premises. Like, you know, if you have, most of you probably are aware of AWS or my, Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure, things like that. But, you know, if you look at the trajectory of growth of these uh, platforms, you know, uh, all the companies, uh, all the larger companies, you know, smaller companies definitely, they don't have a choice but to go for uh, these uh, providers. Uh, a lot of the larger companies, they have their own data centers and in those data centers, they want to set up their own uh, private cloud. So, you know, we have, we had a software product, uh, which 
which which companies could essentially deploy a private cloud uh, and it was you know the use cases were both uh, on the application side as well as desktop side you know we also delivered virtual desktop uh, desktops on our platform so that's the you know that's the product that we have uh, built we had uh, sold to 2025 odd uh, customers in india uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, Satya and I, we kind of uh, build this company. We also had a third co-founder, Vishwa, who joined us slightly later after we had started, after we had raised our first uh, angel round of funding. Uh, Vishwa is the third co-founder we had, and you know, together we have built this company over the last uh, five, six years. And yeah, I mean, we'll go to that, but you know, last year we kind of, uh, towards the end of the year, we got acquired by uh, a NASDAQ-listed company called uh, uh, quantum quantum corporation so they have uh, they are pretty old uh, uh, pretty large as well you know storage company and uh, uh, they found our product portfolio to fit well in the strategies that the company is taking forward so we kind of uh, came together and uh, they acquired us and now i'm part of uh, quantum so abhinash um, i want to double click down on a few of the things that you said here sure. um, you have done this for about five, six years. Yes. And uh, and you did it with a small amount of angel financing. The entire, the full extent of financing was some of your own money as well as angel financing. What was the total capital that you infused into Encloud N? Sure. Uh, see, we, I know the three founders, we were fairly young and did not really work for long as well. So we did not have any funds on our own. Uh, but you know we have been very lucky uh, to have a set of angel investors, uh, and I mean we had the perfect set of investors that we you could have, uh, uh, you know the kind of people that we had, head of uh, Dell R and D, India, you know Cisco, one of the vice presidents, uh, you know Caterpillar India and the uh, lot of you know some seven odd angel investors who are. Technology leaders, uh, and they have uh, very meaningful roles in large technology companies. So we had, uh, you know, we had a set of these guys who had invested in us uh, first in 2016. Uh, we raised, you know, about 300k at the time, and they had again doubled up their investment subsequently a couple of years later. And along along with that, you know, we also uh, along with them there was a small. Uh, you know, local fund, which, uh, you know, quasi government fund, which uh, uh, put in some money as well. So the total investment that we raised over this period of time was about uh, about a million dollars. Mm -hmm. And the angel investors that you ended up working with, did, did you know any of them beforehand, before they became investors? How did you navigate that journey? Sure. Uh, some of these people we ha I have known uh, from the past. I mean, one of the one of the investors uh, kind of played the role of uh, being the lead investor to start with. So you know, one of the investors he kind of three or four of the guys, uh, other guys were you know colleagues of him or people that he has worked with in the past. Uh, but you know, there are a few others which we invested in the company. They I had known. Uh, because of startup connections in different, you know, partnership connections, startup connections that we have had uh, in the company. Okay. So a uh, total funding of under $1 million from a group of angels and a little bit of government funds. 
and um, talk a bit about the customer development process. Where did you get the customers from and which customers, what type of customers zeroed in on your value proposition and were you and you were able to close those deals? Talk about that, Navi, that journey. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, the journey started with, uh, uh, with a company, with a customer, of course, you know, before all of these guys put in money, we were able to acquire a, a very uh, uh, reputed customer. Uh, I don't know, some of you, if you're in India, you probably know, have heard about a company called Biocon, which is the largest biopharmaceutical company in India. Uh, and, you know, in the two years that I was working, I had worked at Biocon. So I was working in a strategy role at Biocon. So uh, I somehow, you know, my manager at Biocon, he had connected me to the CIO at Biocon. So, you know, I, I had built a relationship with him over time and, you know, we could, uh, uh, he they became our lighthouse customer, right? So you know we could uh, we really showed the value proposition with them. The CIO was uh, was a mentor in a way over time as well because you know he has helped us uh, in kind of figuring out the right features that we need to put in the solution. He was the first guy who tested the solution, found it meaningful. Uh, yeah, so we learned a lot from him as well. But you know they became our first customer, and that kind of. Uh, uh, started the journey for us, right? I mean, that is how uh, we could really sell the concept to the investors as well. We could really show that it is not just a, you know, idea on the paper. It's some a product that is already existing, and you know, we have a customer, a pretty reputed customer, which is using this solution for a significant, uh, uh, you know, it has a significant footprint in the company. So uh, that is how we started, and we Sorry, what was the size of the Biocon contract? Uh, see, you know, our, uh, it was a five-year contract. So our, I think our total revenue over five years were probably about 300K. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so Biocon was the, was the starting point. And then, you know, we, we continued selling to different uh, Companies we focus on South India and like most startups do. I mean, initial sales are all hustle sales in a way. I mean, the founder driven. You go after you know contacts that you have. You try and uh, find these customers. So I was focusing on that. So I had kind of uh, worked towards acquiring all these customers. And yeah, I mean, we had a bunch of uh, pretty reputed customers. We had. Uh, I mean, some of you, if you're aware of India, you would know there's a company called Manipal. Uh, you know, we had IIT Madras as a customer. We had uh, ISRO as a customer. We had a uh, few government entities like HAL, BEL as customers. Uh, we had a lot of educational institutions. So a bunch of these, uh, we had AIMS as a, you know, one of the most reputed uh, hospitals in India. Uh, AIMS was a customer. So we were able to create a good set of, uh, you know, uh, customer base, and they were all pretty referenceable names. Mm -hmm. Well, all... and I think uh, what I have, uh, you know, in, in working with you, one of the things that my observation was that you were also being able to finance your customer development process uh, and the product development process. So it was you were targeting Indian customers, being able to close Indian customers, getting feedback from Indian customers, and in that process, the product was being built. 
Yes. So by the time COVID hit, you actually had customers in India, you had revenues, and your product was at, at a reasonably mature yes. level. Yes, we and have. all that was achieved by with revenues and with a small amount of angel financing, which I that, think uh, was very helpful in even thinking about trying to look for an acquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, because one of the things you mentioned, which I think I want to underscore, is the, the difference between founder-led selling and actually building a channel to sell. Mm -hmm. Building a channel to sell is a very expensive process. That is right. And it's very different from founder-led selling. Founder-led selling is a lot of hustling, yes, but it's also often with technical founders and technical products, there's a lot of trust building that happens between the founder and the customer. Mm -hmm. It's usually a technical founder selling to a technical customer. <laughs> at least the tech technical decision maker in the sales process. And that is the best way to do early selling. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons why in 1 million by 1 million, we are very bullish about bootstrapping to exit is that this process of founder-led selling aided by either pure revenues, pure bootstrapping, or with small amounts of angel capital, friends and family capital, is that you can actually get through quite a bit of that process of getting solid customer references as well as product input and build something credible before you invest in this big sales engine. Mm -hmm. Now, the sales engine is expensive, so if you have to raise more money to build the sales engine, that will raise the bar on the exit valuation that you're going to have to get to. Mm -hmm. This is the point at which you have the option of considering bootstrapping to exit. Sure. Because there are people who have the channels, who have synergistic channels, who are looking for additional products to sell through the same channel. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can, the, the, the kind of stars align in a bootstrapping to exit scenario when you can get to the point where you have a attractive product or attractive technology, intellectual property, et cetera, that somebody who has the channel is interested in buying. Mm -hmm. So I think the success of Abinash and NCloud N uh, from my you know, vantage point is that all those stars lined up and you played your cards very well, Abinash, in making that deal happen. Okay. Now, let's talk about the acquisition itself. At what point did you start speaking with, with the acquirer and what were the, what were the, I know I introduced you to a whole bunch of people as well. So you were thinking about acquisition. We were working on getting you introduced, getting you in front of various people. Um, discuss a little bit about what, when did you start this process and how did you put one step before the other in navigating that process? Sure. Uh, I mean, this, this, uh, I think starting of the pandemic is when we kind of, uh, started uh, considering an option like this, right? You know, we were, 
focus on growing the company. And uh, by the way, I mean, you know, at our peak, we were pretty close to like a million dollars in revenue. Uh, so yeah. uh, we were able to get there just, you know, just before the pandemic year. The, I mean, you know, the, the pandemic year, uh, half of the year, we were more than a million, half a million dollars in the uh, in revenue. So that year we were kind of uh, stated to hit, hit the million dollars in revenue, but just that uh, towards the end of the year, which is usually the largest quarter in India, uh, pandemic had, had hit and we were not able to, uh, yeah, some of the deals which were large deals which were closing for not happen. Yeah, but we were in that, uh, you know, 100, in that million dollar revenue range, right? Yeah, so when the yeah. pandemic had uh, hit, uh, I mean, it was a very uncertain time and, you know, we really have to, uh, and, and, you know, as a company which has uh, very limited, which has acquired very limited funding and we, uh, knew that, you know, we had some backup in terms of funding, but yeah, not a whole lot. Right. And, uh, and, you know, echo cust continue to acquiring customers, you know, we know that we are going through a, a phase where, uh, you know, sales will drop significantly, uh, because, you know, as you know, uh, when the initial part of the pandemic for close to a year, I mean, the market was very, very, uh, bad from a customer inclusion perspective. So we were at a stage where we figured, I mean, it's time for us to probably start uh, engaging with some of these uh, uh, potential acquires. And it is not just to, you know, get an acquisition. I mean, of course, that was one of the uh, thought process we had and we wanted to, uh, to to do that over time. But, you know, we also thought that, you know, let's start some partnerships, right? Which uh, these relationships which yeah. eventually lead to uh, an acquisition. And, and if you know if the time gets better, if the market gets better, of course, I mean you you have you have uh, good things at both ends. I mean if you get acquired, that is also fine. Even if you kind of have some good partners, that also helps. Yeah. And we were also you know we were a company in India. We knew that there is a larger market globally, and you know we really did not uh, like you said we really did not uh, try to sell outside, and that was a costly proposition anyway, right? So we thought you know some of these partnerships could also help us acquire more customers, not just in India, but globally, right? So that is how we kind of uh, started uh, thinking about acquisitions, uh, thinking about some of these partnerships, which, uh, you know, which uh, could lead to acquisition or could become good partnerships that we could leverage over a period of time. So yeah, that's how we kind of started the process. And uh, yeah, when you were right, I have come to you and thanks for your help. I and mean, we could talk to a lot of uh, very interesting uh, people in that process. We connected with a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that is how the process, the entire process started. And uh, yeah, I mean, and I also, you know, I was trying to connect through you, but uh, I was also uh, reaching out to a lot of relevant people. Oh, yeah. I just want to point out. In general, in general, the process um, that you have to keep in mind, and I'm now talking to the the ones who are listening to this conversation. Um, if you want to do an acquisition, as Abhinash points out, starting with a partnership discussion is a very good way to start discussions. And, and what we typically do in 1 million by 1 million, and this is the process that you were following, is identify targets and then find out on LinkedIn who are these people that, you, that would be meaningful people to have these partnership conversations with. Whether or not that leads to an acquisition discussion remains to be seen, but you have to start the conversation somewhere. Some of it is in product organizations, some of it is corporate organizations. In some of our prior sessions here at the roundtable, I have introduced you to 
corp deaf people. You know, I've had them talk about their process from their end when they're looking at potential acquisitions, how corp dev organizations keep track of the different players in the industry, different targets from their point of view from the buy side. Here, we're discussing from the sell side, and from the sell side, you have to get on people's radars, right? So both the corp dev teams of your potential acquirers or potential partners and the product teams and the part alliances teams of those organizations, you have to get on their radars. So if you're navigating this process, the best way to do that is by identifying who those players are, connecting them with, uh, with them on LinkedIn, where if you're in the 1 million by 1 million program, very often I reach out to these people and connect you as well. So put all your resources that you possibly can bring together to start opening up on those discussions. People have to know that you exist and what you have. They have to have a deep understanding of what you have, what your value proposition is, what your technical uh, unfair advantage core competency is, what does your product do, what problem can it solve, what is the term for that product, et cetera, et cetera. All these things you kind of need to bring to the radar of the potential partners and potential acquirers. So that is the process of a bootstrapping to exit in a B2B scenario. So just to add to that, uh, that well, uh, yeah, yes, I, please. Sure. Uh, LinkedIn is a very good tool. Of course, you know, you could connect with people on LinkedIn. Uh, but by the way, this has been interesting, right? You know, while I was doing this, uh, there's no playbook for this. And there's no, uh, I mean, I was reading up on the net as well. I was trying to figure out, you know, how do you go about reaching out to these people? What is the right way to do this? Uh, how does it work? Things like that, right? And I I, uh, I had through, I mean, this this was like a one-year experience, you know, where I was you know, reaching out to people and then finally it's led to the exit, of course. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I had learned a lot of stuff and uh, one part of it is also, you know, why LinkedIn works. I mean, the, there are three things, three ways you could do this. LinkedIn is one. Secondly, if you have a connection and uh, through that, if you get connected, that is even better because, you know, there's a reference there already. Uh, but what interestingly also works are cold emails, right? You know, and it has worked in my, uh, in my case as well with a lot of people. I mean, it's not just... Uh, quantum delivery. There were other companies that I tried to reach out to. So if you have the right message to the right person in the company, uh, you get noticed. You, it is difficult. I mean, the hit rate is not very high. Uh, but at the same time, if you kind of uh, have the right message for the right guy in a, in a, in a company, uh, email, uh, well, emails also. I want to add what you said, Abhinash. Um, I think you know, LinkedIn is a very good tool to research who are the right people that you need to get connected to. Mm -hmm. Then the, the, the warmer uh, the introduction you can get into those people, the better. Cold email works, cold LinkedIn connections work. Both of those work. But if you can work your network, whatever that network is to get introduced, whether it's through LinkedIn or email or whatever, what, but if, you, if there's a warm introduction that you can get into a lead, that is always a desirable way to get in. But I think the point that you are making and I'm also making is that cold, uh, you know, cold contacts also work. If you have something relevant, people are willing to talk to you because people want to learn. 
what yes. is it that you're doing. So it is a, there is a bit of a playbook. Actually, we use a bit of a playbook, at least in okay. one minute by one minute, because we are doing this sure. uh, you know, over and over again. We do so have a bit my, of a playbook. My comment is just so people don't hold back, right? You know, just because... Right, people shouldn't hold back. You're right, exactly. You shouldn't hold back. Right connection, don't yeah. hold back. I mean, if you try, if you believe that uh, this, you have a value proposition, if, if you have the right value proposition for a particular individual in a particular company, uh, your cold email also will work. So don't, I mean, just, just make sure you don't hold back if you really want to reach out to somebody. Now, um, talk to us about uh, where you got the traction for acquisition and what, um, you know, what were some of the anecdotal features of that traction? Well, yeah, like I said, you know, I was... Uh, connections that you provided as well as through otherwise you know from my investors as well i reached out to through my investors as well i reached out to a bunch of people uh yeah and i reached out to a lot of people uh cold email or cold linkedin messages as well right uh so done a bunch of these things and uh yeah i mean then so you figure out uh, i spoke to a lot you know a number of people it's not just you know finally we kind of ended up doing the deal with quantum uh, but uh, we spoke to a lot of people and a lot of very influential people. It was a very learning learning experience as well because, uh, you know, we were talking to a lot of very senior folks and, uh, you know, they had their own perspective. Uh, yeah, so that was an experience. But yeah, with Quantum as such, you know, I had uh, our interaction started with the conversation with a cooperative uh, uh, person. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, and, and, and interestingly, I mean, uh, for this to happen, a lot of you need 10 tick boxes at least, right? And I mean, 10 things have to align, which include, you know, they need to be in a lookout in the space that you are in. I mean, you have a value proposition in space, right? You yeah. you have to have credibility. There are a lot of these tick, tick marks that has to come together in, uh, for, for an acquisition to happen. So luckily with, with Quantum, I mean, they were looking at the space that we are in. And uh, we have been unknown, of course, you know, we have only sold in India. We have not been, we were not very known outside of India. And uh, uh, this company did not, Quantum team did not know us, of course. Once I reached out to them, uh, I mean, the conversation started. And uh, interestingly, our value proposition and what we delivered uh, as a, you know, our technology were pretty impressive to, you know, just from the starting meeting. I mean, if I remember correctly, even in the first meeting, you know, one of the leaders that uh, from the quantum side who uh, was talking to us, uh, his version was, you know, if whatever you are saying is actually there, you guys have really a great product, right? I mean, and, and of course, you know, you're going through this phase, you're an Indian company based out of Bangalore, you're reaching out to somebody uh, in the US somewhere, you kind of start that conversation, there's no... Uh, there is no connection as, as such. They don't know you. You don't know them. They don't even know, you know. Uh, yeah, so there are a lot of skepticism to start with as well. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the story that we had, the uh, value proposition that we were able to show, uh, was always uh, exciting to them, right? And uh, I think we, from our side, uh, we did a very good job in terms of uh, uh, really researching and understanding uh, what 
you know each of the individuals that, that came to meet the meeting uh, was looking for right and we kind of mm -hmm. were able to bring those uh, inputs in the meetings for the presentations uh, i would like to credit my co-founder vishwa here i mean he did a fantastic job in terms of uh, uh, really building the presentations and, and kind of talking about the stuff uh, in a very very uh, compelling way and we kind of did a lot of research about all the individuals uh, who were coming to the meeting about uh, what they were looking at things like that and, and kind of we were able to align the message very very well to what they were looking for so that's how we started the conversation we had uh, yeah and, and then uh, initially i think we started we had a few conversations but then uh, uh, we were not, uh, uh, I mean, and then there was a gap of some time. Uh, I mean, we were also a little busy with some other things. They were also a little busy. Uh, yeah, but then, I mean, the conversation rekindled again after a few months. And then this time, I mean, the conversation was uh, yeah, in that uh, direct direction of uh, an acquisition. And, uh, uh, yeah, and, uh, and you go through the process there. I mean, you know, we had to, we had multiple meetings with all the stakeholders with the ceo of the company the cfo of the company uh, all the technical team engineering team leads uh, engineering leaders of the company sales team uh, services team so you go through a lot of this these were all zoom meetings uh, repeat that these were all zoom meetings yes these were i mean that was uh, that was one big aspect of this i mean we we were able to execute this and, and I credit both sides for this, right? I mean, we yeah, were yeah, both no, I think we, the, the whole industry has become really good at deal making by just using <laughs> Zoom and uh, for for all of the process. So, yes, yeah. this has been a big, big, big advantage. And I think this is very much in favor of international uh, entrepreneurs, global entrepreneurs. Now you can really do deals globally. Um, just by using online tools so that has been a very big uh, advantage yeah, yeah no, when we started, one... i thought we will probably need to meet at some point uh, but you know the pandemic was raising and we could never we never had to meet actually but what we had is we were able to build good relationships uh, personally yeah. uh, i had uh, uh, I mean, of the entire team but i had a, i had uh, built a very good bond with the uh, a corp dev head in a company and in mm -hmm. fact it, it went to a level where you know the corp dev he wanted me to join his team and i finally joined his team uh, at quantum right but we i mean you know i think that kind of helped because uh, you know because there was a uh, there was a bond that we were able to build and through that i mean uh, both of us were like uh, managing it from both our sites i mean i was managing it from cloud and he was managing it from quantum uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, we uh, we could bond well, and I mean that really probably helped us be more little more credible to uh, to go to Bali. Yeah, and uh, what about the price negotiation? Uh, yeah, so that was very interesting as well. Just just before that, I think uh, yeah, I mean one of the things that you do when you do this, uh, you know, is that your products get tested very thoroughly, right? And I think you know people need to be and. Uh, Especially when you are doing it remotely, and you know they don't know any customers that you that you have and things like that. So we had gone through a very thorough uh, product testing phase where kind of uh, their, their uh, technical team kind of looked at the product and very thoroughly uh, tested the product. 
So that was like a month long period where our team was really engaged and, and we were able to really uh, look at, show them all the use cases, you know, show them the uh, robustness of the solution, you know, how redundancies are built, all the, all the features that we talked about, we were able to show that that really helped us uh, in the process as well. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so that was, you know, sometimes, you know, though that the testing phase could be post uh, 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 post negotiations, right? Post the term sheet, but in our case, we had done this prior to the uh, to the uh, negotiations, right? So, yeah, so once the you know once we had gone through this entire process where you know we had met the entire leadership team, they had met us. Uh, we also they had tested the product thoroughly and all that is done. Uh, we had, uh, I mean, we had engaged with the CFO at that time, and. Uh, yeah, but that was a very interesting phase. Uh, I mean, just that, just negotiating a deal with the CFO of a Nasdaq listed company was exciting and interesting experience. And yeah, I mean, it started off with with an initial term sheet, and then we had to uh, do a lot of back and forth. It it you know it was emo emotionally draining as well because as entrepreneurs you have certain expectations, and then uh, you know the buyer also has their own expectations. And how do you meet? Uh, at some point, right? Uh, what was also difficult was, you know, we had uh, 15 people in our uh, cap table, right? So uh, you really have to. It's not just, you know, you are agreeing with uh, with the with the buyer. I mean, it, you have to have 15 people aligned to you, to the deal as well, right? And that was uh, quite interesting and challenging. I mean, this is, uh, luckily I have always had a very good, I've always built and had a very good relationship with all the shareholders. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that really helped in this process. And I mean, I would just leave it to all the entrepreneurs as well. I think, you know, always it's very important to have very good relationships, relations with your investors. You need to be very transparent with them, very upfront with them. and. Uh, and they need to trust you at the end of the day, right? They need to know that you're doing the right thing, not just for yourself, but for everybody, all the stakeholders in the company. Uh, so we had that trust and that help, but I still, you know, I had to go back and forth to a lot of the investors, I had to convince them uh, on the valuations, you know, everybody. If you have 15 people and these are all very senior people at various stages of their, you know, uh, career. So uh, everybody had a very different expectation. So we had to really work. I had to really work on this uh, with everybody. And yeah, like, I mean, we were... did, you, um, did you have a, an offer before you started this conversation with your 15 uh, shareholders on the cap table? So what I had done is I had uh, taken some people into confidence. And uh, I had uh, not given them a value, but I had taken a sense of what they're looking at. What they were looking at, what their expectations were. What their expectations were, right? And uh, yeah, so that is, I had, uh, yeah, when I had taken some people in confidence, in general, I mean, I would uh, typically chat with these uh, older shareholders uh, every month or so in general, you know, one-on-one -on -one chat so that... Yeah. I mean, these are general personal conversations also updating about the company. So I had, uh, I mean, I had gotten a sense of what people were expecting at that point as well. And that really helped in the process. Yeah. And, you know, with that, of course, we had uh, gone into the negotiations. We had, uh, yeah, 
bunch of meetings with the CFO and uh, finally we got to a stage where you know we could uh, we could really got converted at the point here do you comfortable disclosing any of the metrics of your uh, deal no i'm not supposed to so okay that's fine just tell you i i think i feel very proud about uh, uh, the deal as such uh, primarily for three reasons i mean you know i had the uh, we had i mean you know we had uh, really taken care of all the stakeholders in the company and, and in the negotiation process itself I mean, it's not just the shareholders of the company. The shareholders had gotten a pretty good uh, 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 valuation bump. I mean, they got a good return on their investments. I we also made sure all our customers are well taken care of. So you know, Quantum will continue. Will is taking up the responsibility of supporting all the customers. You know, and and all the commitments that we had we had uh, given to customers are being taken are being taken up. I mean, that was one of the points in the negotiation. We made sure. I mean, that they aligned with. And lastly, we, I mean, I we very much wanted uh, all the employees to be taken care of well as well, right? So, uh, all the employees were. Had become part of quantum, and you know we made sure all the employees uh, get a sizable hike in their salaries, and also you know from our end we were able to give a good uh, parting bonus to all the all the employees. So you know, so that way we were able to do a good deal for all the shareholders, all the stakeholders in the company, all the you know shareholders, customers as well as employees. And that that makes me very happy and very proud. Yeah. Excellent. Well, congratulations, Abhinash. Wonderful uh, outcome. I'm sure uh, you're going to do a lot more with your life. You're still very, very young and uh, enjoy quantum meanwhile. Sure, sure. Thank you.